Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. So if you want to go ahead and turn there. And I'll ask, if you don't mind, out of respect for the Word of God, not out of respect for me, that you stand for the reading of God's Word this evening. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. Mark writes, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. You may be seated. Thank you. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of our God. Let's pray and ask his blessing upon his word to us this evening. Heavenly Father, we ask this this evening that you would give us grace that we might have understanding, that you'd work in us by your Spirit. Open our eyes that we may see great things from your Word. For it's in Christ's name and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Well, here at the, the last number of verses in Mark's, the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, we find ourselves looking at the account of Jesus healing a man that had leprosy. Now, we don't, probably, I'm guessing no one in this room has ever met somebody with leprosy. Maybe you have, but very few I would guess, have, uh, have actually seen it firsthand and seen what it can do to a person. You might know from your Old Testament, that might be the one place where you're familiar with leprosy, there's been some pretty high-profile cases that have had leprosy in our Bibles. Miriam, you know who Miriam was, the sister of Moses, that's pretty high up. She, had, uh, she was actually inflicted with leprosy as a punishment of sorts for speaking out against Moses, her brother. Numbers chapter 12, verse 10. Naaman, that's one of the stories I always like to, uh, to read. Naaman was a uh, commander of the Syrian army. And he came to Elisha for healing in 2 Kings chapter 5. You might remember, he didn't come to Elisha first. He came to the king of Israel and expected some kind of big pomp and circumstance and show. And the king said, am I in the place of God? What are you coming to me for? I can't do anything. And he sent him away. And then he went to, uh, to Elisha. And then he thought, well, surely I'm an important guy. Elisha's going to come out, wave his wand over me, and make a big show of it. And what did Elisha do? If you know the story, Elisha sent his little servant boy out and said, you know, just go tell him, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be cleansed. And what, what did he do? Did he go, yes, a cure, and go out and wash? No. He got mad. He was furious. He's like, Don't, doesn't he know who I am? What, isn't there, aren't there rivers back in Damascus that are better than this junky river, the Jordan? That, you know, and then his, one of his servants tells him, hey, you know, if, if he told you to do some big thing, wouldn't you do it? You know, why, don't, why don't you just do what he says? You want to be healed, right? And so what did he do? He finally relented and was healed of that and praised the Lord for it. You also might know that King Uzziah, the one that's mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6, King Uzziah, the king of Judah, was actually punished with leprosy for trying to take to himself the prerogatives and privileges of the priesthood in offering incense in the temple. And what happened? God struck him with the king. God struck his king 
with leprosy. And you might know that when you had leprosy, you were cut off from the temple. Not only could he not offer incense, he couldn't even go in. So there's been some pretty high-profile cases in our Bibles. We're going to see three things about Jesus and this leper from Mark chapter 1. We're going to see the first thing we're going to see is the leper's condition. What, what did his condition mean? What did it picture for us? What are we to learn from it? The second thing, the Lord's compassion. That's maybe the main thing in our, in our text this evening. And the third thing, which might strike us as kind of strange, is the Lord's command to the leper once he cleansed him. So the first thing is the leper's condition. Verse 40, Mark says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Now think about, think about the way he's described. We don't have his name. We don't know who he was. We don't know what his you know, occupation was or where he came from. But think about how the text, how Mark describes him or how Mark refers to him. He calls him what? A leper. I, I don't know about you. I can't think of any other disease or condition that defines a person that way. You know, everybody probably either has known uh, or someone in your family you've had to deal with that has had cancer. Nobody refers to someone with cancer and says, oh, here's this cancerous person. They don't, they don't refer to you. It's not your identity. It's, your identity isn't wrapped up in that disease, but a leper was different. A leper, that's what you were called. It wasn't so-and-so who has leprosy. It was a leper. Leprosy was a fearful disease. It was often a death sentence. In some ways, it could, be, it could be worse than a death sentence. It's one thing to die of a disease. It's another thing for a disease to cause you to be unclean. We don't even, we don't even know what that's like in, in a lot of ways in our, in our day. But uh, that's what leprosy did. Leprosy not only was a, was a death sentence waiting to happen, but it cut you off from your people before you even died. It was as if you were dead before you were dead. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 to 46 says this. This is what, what a leper was instructed to do. If you can imagine being told this. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. What an awful disease. I mean, everything about it sounds frightening. He's basically being, you're being told, you're supposed to make a show of things to warn people not to come near you. Imagine having no human contact. Imagine we're sitting in this room and you're sitting in the back row by yourself and everybody else is sitting in the first three rows. Nobody's allowed to come. They don't just not want to come near you. They're not allowed to come near you. If you can imagine what that must have been like. That sounds like something out of a horror movie. Crying out, unclean, unclean. Warning, because you don't want to pass the disease on to someone else. Even the clothing. And what, it, it sounds so strange. It's like as if everything about you had to scream out both literally and figuratively, unclean. They couldn't dress nicely. They couldn't dress cleanly. Their clothing itself had to be torn. Their hair had to be haggard. You know, there wouldn't be any makeup. There wouldn't be any combing your hair. 
From a distance, someone had to be able to look at you and say, oh no, that person is unclean. They had to be able to hear you say, unclean. To be unclean was also worse than a death sentence because it meant that you were cut off from your people. And you were cut off from being able to worship in the temple. Now, we don't, we don't sympathize very well with that idea, although you might be upset if you were not allowed to come into your church. I hope that would upset you at any rate. But it made, it made you an outcast. In so many ways, it's hard for us to fathom. Again, it was kind of like being treated as if you were dead before you're actually dead. That's really what the situation was back then for a leper. It's kind of being a preview of being dead before you're actually even dead. Only no one's speaking well of you is what usually happens after you, you pass away, right? Well, a le- leprosy was no respecter of persons. We've already seen that even a king was not exempt from the effects of that disease. A king Uzziah, we already mentioned, was cut off because of leprosy. It says in Second Chronicles 26:21, it says, And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, lived in a separate house. For he was excluded from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. The king, he's still the king. He can't even live in the palace. He can't go to the temple. And that was his punishment until the day he died, if you can imagine. Well, that, well if, you read, if you read our text in Mark chapter 1 carefully, You'll notice something about the, the request of, of this leprous man to Jesus. What did he ask Jesus to do? I'm guessing if you're anything like me, and you might not be, when you read or heard the passage, your, your mind kind of translated it to heal me, didn't it? He just wants to be healed. Of course, he wanted to be healed, but that's not what he asked. What did he ask? If you will, or if you're willing, you can do what? You can make me, not healed, although that includes it, clean. He wanted to be clean. He didn't any longer want to be an outcast. He didn't want to be cut off from his people. He didn't want to be cut off from the temple. Four times in these short five verses, Mark uses the word clean or cleansing in these verses, four times in five verses, he's trying to make a point. Cleansing is the point of this passage. Now that, that leper's condition, that leper's condition that we might have a hard time sympathizing with or identifying with in many ways, it's actually a picture of every single one of us outside of Christ, Jesus himself. Any one of us who is outside of Christ, back when you used to be outside of Christ, if you're a Christian now, this is you, this is me outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, you and I are all unclean. We're all cut off from the fellowship of God and His people and without hope in this world. It's only through the mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ Himself that any of us are made clean and that our sins are washed away in His blood through faith in Christ. In a sermon once preached on the subject of leprosy, if you can imagine that, although that's what I'm doing, I guess, tonight as well, Charles Spurgeon preaching on Leviticus 13, says, Let me remind you that this fearful as it seems to be, leprosy, is a very poor portrait of the loathsomeness of sin. If God could tell, or rather if we could bear, to hear what God could tell us of the exceeding wickedness 
and uncleanness of sin, I'm sure we should die. God hides from all eyes but his own the blackness of sin. What's Spurgeon saying there? Outside of Christ, we're worse than that. The, the picture of a leper, you know, all, all haggard and unclean and yelling unclean and covering his upper lip and kind of scaring people away, it doesn't do justice to what we are outside of Christ in our sins. That's a hard thing maybe to hear, but it's true. The grotesque and horrifying picture of leprosy doesn't even begin to do justice to our, to our sins and the vileness of our sins. I think we tend most of the time to think that we're okay, we just need to be cleaned up a little bit. That's not what we are outside of Christ. J.C. Ryle writes this, But there is there nothing like leprosy among ourselves? Yes, indeed there is. There is a foul soul disease which is ingrained into our very nature and cleaves to our bones and marrow with a deadly force. That disease is the plague of sin. Like leprosy, it is a deep-seated disease infecting every part of our nature, heart, will, conscience, understanding, memory, and affections. Like leprosy, it makes us loathsome and abominable, unfit for the company of God, and unmeet, unfitting, unworthy, for the glory of heaven. That's us outside of Christ. Every last human being that's ever walked this earth outside of Christ, that's what leprosy is a picture of, of us. Well, notice the leper's faith in our text. He came to Jesus and he implored him to make him clean. He confessed what? That takes a lot of faith. He's supposed to say, unclean, unclean, stay away from me, right? He runs right up to Jesus. What does he know? What is, just by doing that, what is he sure of? He's sure, he even says it, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He knew somehow that Jesus could heal him and cleanse him. What was he not sure of? If he would. I know you can. I don't know if you will, but I've got nothing to lose. You're the only one that can heal and cleanse me. And so he came to Jesus for that exact Thing, and that's what he, he begged him on his knees. He implored him. And that brings us to our second point of our text, the Lord's compassion. The Lord's compassion, highlighted in verses 41 to 42, which is probably the most important thing, I think, in our text. In verses 41 to 42, Mark says this, Moved with pity or compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will, or I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. What does Mark tell us was the reason that Jesus cleansed and healed this man? Compassion. He was moved or filled with pity or compassion. Now isn't that, I hope, a very large encouragement to us to be reminded of the great mercy and compassion of Jesus Christ for sinners? Just like you and just like me. Did Jesus make him wait? Did he make him jump through a bunch of hoops? Did he, you know, put him on a list and say, you know, get back to me next week. I'll think about it. Think about how bad you are and then maybe I'll, you know, then maybe I'll cleanse you. Immediately, he cleansed him. Immediately. 
Let that be a lesson to each one of us, hopefully an encouraging lesson, that, that the Savior stands ready, willing, and able to save, cleanse, and restore us from our sins if we'll only come to Him in repentance and faith. He said in John chapter 6, verse 37, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. What's the qualification? Well, there's two. Are you a sinner? Check the box. Yes. If you come to Him, will He cast you out? Never! And why is that? Because all that the Father gives to Him will come to Him. If you come to Christ, guess who caused that to happen? The Father gave you to Christ and He will in no no way cast you out. Jesus didn't come, as He says in Mark 2.17. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are what? Sick. Sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The only person that's excluded is the righteous, those who think wrongly that they're already all right. People that know they're messed up, Jesus, they don't have a problem coming to Jesus, do we? No, we don't. Jesus didn't come to heal those who weren't sick or who didn't think they were sick. He didn't come to call those who were already righteous, or rather who thought they were righteous. He came to call sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. Those are the kinds of people, the only kinds of people Jesus came to call. Jesus knows your sins and mine better than we do, and that he came to save us anyway. So what does that mean? It means don't let your sins, no matter what they may be, keep you from coming to Jesus to have forgiveness and life in his name. That's why he came in the first place. J.C. Ryle says, Men are not lost because they are too bad to be saved, but because they will not come to Christ that he may save them. Let me say that again. Men are not lost because they are too bad to be saved, but because they will not come to Christ that he may save them. Truer words have never been spoken. You and I are not too sinful to be saved. Jesus knows our sins much better, far better than you do. And yet look at his compassion in this text. Don't doubt the compassion of Christ, even for you, whatever your sins might be. Notice that Jesus not only healed the man, not only cleansed the man, what does it say he did? Stretched out his hand and did what? He did the unthinkable. If we were Jesus... If we even had the compassion, which we probably wouldn't, we would probably say, oh, stop right there. Go. You know, heal. What does he do? He reaches, the man's kneeling before him. He doesn't back up a couple steps. He doesn't have the the disciples, you know, circled around him like, 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 you know, the secret service or anything like that. He stretches out his hand and touches him and heals him while doing so. Now think about that. If anyone else but Jesus Christ had touched that man, what would have happened? At bare minimum, they would have been rendered, the person touching him, would have been rendered unclean for a time. And what else could have happened? They could have contracted leprosy. They could have taken death, a death sentence, upon themselves, but not Jesus Christ. His touch makes the unclean clean. His touch makes the sick whole. Jesus freely touches the untouchable. He cleanses the unclean. He heals us 
from all of our infirmities and He loves the unlovable. That's the great physician. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. What a reminder of the compassion that Jesus Christ has, not past tense, not had, still has for sinners like you and like me. Well, the third thing in in our text tonight is the Lord's command in verses 43 to 45. It might strike you as kind of strange. Maybe it did when we first read it. It says there, verses 43 to 44, it says, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now his command of the man who he just healed and cleansed, it probably sounds kind of strange. It does to me, even now as I'm, uh, even as I'm preaching it. If you look at the, the previous verses, I'll let you do that on your own, we've already seen him twice commanding demons not to speak. Why? Because they knew who he was. That even sounds stranger. It's one thing to tell a demon not to speak, but the reason isn't because they don't know who he was. It's because they knew exactly who he was. And he didn't want them to say anything. But what about this man? What? It, doesn't, it almost doesn't seem to make sense. He heals this man, he cleanses him, and then says, by the way, don't, go tell, don't tell anybody, just go show the priest like you're supposed to do for your cleansing. He was to obey the law of Moses and go to the priest to have his cleansing verified and so be restored to his people and to the worship of the temple. But other than that, he wasn't to tell anyone. Go through the, the things you're supposed to do. You know, why did he want to be cleansed in the first place? To be restored to his people, to be restored to the temple. Well, who was the, who was the gatekeeper of that? According to the law of Moses, it was the priests. So he had to do the right thing, go to them and, and be cleared so he could actually go in and, and not scare anybody, among other, among other things. But look at verse 45. I think for, verse 45 explains the real reason. We don't have to speculate why Jesus told him that strange command. It says, what did he do? He went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. That word, I'm reading from the ESV, that, that word that's, that's rendered talk freely, it, in the Greek it's the same word as preach. That would be a strange preacher, a leper, a healed leper. That's really what's going on here. This, this healed, cleansed man is preaching. He's proclaiming the news about Jesus Christ. And how much did he do it? He did it to such an extent that Jesus could no longer, Mark says, openly enter a town, but was out in desolate. He was out in the wilderness again. He couldn't even go into town. How much did this guy preach? And what an audience did he have from people that knew he was a leper? You can imagine what what a stir that might have, have caused. Well, In a a human sense, that's what Jesus was trying to avoid. He was trying to avoid the inability to go into a town openly and minister there. Jesus wasn't just trying to gather a crowd. In Mark chapter 1, everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd except for in the the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. But he wasn't trying to, to, to gather a crowd just to gather a crowd. That's what we try to do. That's what we try to do. We, we ministers of the gospel sometimes, we get all wrapped up in numbers and we think, well, if I just get enough people in the door, that's success. That's not success. You preach the gospel. You bring the salvation of Jesus Christ to sinners. That's 
success. Jesus came to do more than just gather a crowd. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And in a strange way, that man's disobedience, that healed, cleansed man's disobedience, puts some of us to shame. He puts me to shame in many regards. He who was healed and cleansed from such a terrible disease was told to be quiet. He was commanded, strictly commanded, sternly commanded to be quiet. And yet he preached and published the word about Jesus Christ so far and wide to anyone who would listen that Jesus had trouble entering a town afterward. But on the other hand, we who have been healed and cleansed from a much worse disease, a far greater disease and uncleanness, that of sin, we've been commanded to take the gospel to the very ends of the earth, and very often we keep silent. There's an irony here, and I think it's intentional. We, we who have been cleansed from a far greater disease should bless and praise and give witness to Jesus Christ far more than we often do. Well, bless the Lord Jesus Christ for his compassion on sinners like us, that he cleanses us willingly, immediately from our sins. May he move our hearts, yours and mine, to tell other people of the glory of his name and the compassion to be found for sinners of all kinds through faith in him. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks and glory for your gospel. We thank you that you, you know our sins far better than we ever could. If we were to see a leper here in front of us in the worst condition possible, it wouldn't do justice to my sin, to any of our sins. And yet you know the depths of our sins, the number of our sins, the, all, all there is to know about our depravity and our wickedness. And yet you sent your Son to die for us when we were still your enemies. We give you praise and thanks for your mercy, for the compassion of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, for his compassion upon people like us, that he cleanses us and does so willingly. Give us grace uh, to give you praise for it, to be strengthened in your grace and in, in, the, in our most holy faith. We pray that if anybody here tonight does not yet know you and is still for some reason holding back because of their sins, that you would open their eyes to see the compassion of the Savior, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and they would come to him and have life in his name. And they would glorify him the rest of their days. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.